Well, good morning. It's good to see a good crowd down here on the lower floor. <laughs> uh, just so you know, we do not have seating up in the balcony, um, and so we appreciate you uh, sitting down here. Uh, if you are sitting in one of the pews uh, down here near the front, just be careful uh, when you go to get up. You know, we tend to put our hands on the pew. Well, these pews are not anchored. Uh, like the other pews are, and you may tump the person over in front of you. So be careful about that. Take your time, ease in getting up. If there's some others that are uh, needing that assistance to do that on the pew, you maybe stay seated and, until they are up. Uh, from their pew. But we do want to welcome everybody who's here this morning. Welcome to those who are watching online, whether you're on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, 
uh, any of those platforms that we're streaming on there. Uh, be sure to like to heart, subscribe, follow uh, there. That'll just help to get that out with their algorithms even more uh, to more people to hear the Word of God through and the worship experience through our service today. Also, welcome to those who are joining with us on our phone live streaming, and so welcome to. If you're at home, I want to encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far left-hand side, or not far left-hand side, but about four tabs over to the info tab. Uh, it's under the info tab there. You can download today's worship bulletin. If you need one of those in person, they have those at the door. They are in the windowsills also. Uh, and just another note also, you'll, if you need a hymn book, you'll find some around at the bottom of the chairs there. Uh, not every chair has one, so if there are those on your row who need one, uh, pass it down to them. The rest of you may be uh, comfortable using the screen, but whatever you need to do there, we encourage you to do that. But you can get your bulletin here uh, at the windows or at the doors. Uh, you can get those online at highlandbaptistchurch.com under the info tab. The children's worship bulletins are over in my, to my right, to your left, in the windowsill. So be sure to pick up those this morning, ages 3 and up and ages 7 and up. Uh, we have those also online there under that info tab as well as the prayer list. And the prayer list is out here across from the offices uh, on the table. So be sure to pick up uh, one of those. But we just want to welcome you this morning and say we're glad to have you. Uh, this is just the way we're going to have to be for a few weeks. Uh, maybe six to eight weeks is what we've been told. So uh, then we'll get our pews back and our podium back as well as our uh, table that was over here in front of the organ. Uh, we'll get all those things back and it'll be a wonderful day uh, and experience of seeing those and their, their beauty as they come back to us. So we're looking forward to that. But until then, uh, please bear with us in doing that. We are uh, going to postpone our uh, fifth Sunday singing dinner because of not having our pews. It's just logistically too much to take your chairs back there for the meal and stuff. So we're going to postpone that tentatively till the end of August. And that'll just depend again if we get our pews back in that time. And then also uh, because we did not do our Lord's Supper in June, we're tentatively planning to do that in a couple of weeks here at the end of July. So just wanted to make you aware of those couple of changes that we make. Brother Mike, you'll come. If you'll be careful as you stand, let's stand and sing 182 for those of you that have your hymnals and want to use it. 182, what a friend we have in Jesus. Ladies.
Well, this morning, as we come to our missionary moments, you'll find it in our bulletin, the story there of Dave and Bree uh, Jacobson. They are serving in Wisconsin. Uh, they have planted a church there called City on a Hill Church uh, in one of the most diverse areas there of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, it's in an area surrounded by low-income housing and apartment buildings, uh, and many children live in those single housing, uh, those single-parent homes. Uh, they, during COVID time, they were able to reach out to people with a food program uh, and sharing some fresh food boxes there, as well as uh, being able to pray uh, with individuals in those communities. They've had block parties, they've done trunk or treat and seeking to reach out to the families, and they're looking soon to start a Spanish language ministry. So we want to pray for the Jacobsons uh, and, and City on a Hill Church as they continue to grow, as they continue to reach out to the community there with the gospel. And I encourage you also in your bulletin, there's a QR code there. You can find out more by scanning that with your phone, with your camera. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer for the Jacobsons. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much uh, that every Sunday as we give our tithes and our offerings, we are giving, Lord, to support the kingdom work around this nation, around this state, and around the world. Uh, that a portion of our offerings goes to support those missionaries on the field, as well as those special uh, love offerings that we do each year to help supplement those uh, that resources that go uh, each, each Sunday. And so we ask, Lord, that you would be with the Jacobsons. You know the needs that they have. We pray, God, that you'll provide for their every need as a family. Lord, they probably are going through struggles at times. And, and so, Father, we just pray that you'll give them wisdom and discernment, comfort and encouragement and guidance in their hearts and in their lives and the steps ahead as they go forward in leading and planting uh, this church and more churches and reaching out to others who are lost in the Madison, Wisconsin area. So, Father, we just pray for your hand to be upon them, open doors, open opportunities for them to continue to share the gospel as they're worshiping together as we are this morning. We ask a special blessing upon them, as well as all of our missionaries around the world. Keep them safe in your arms. We play for, pray for a, a hedge of protection to be placed about them. And we ask, Heavenly Father, for you to just continue to empower them to do all that you would have them to do in the places that you've called them to be. Thank you, Lord, that we can have a part in that in our giving. And so we ask for you to bless us, bless the tithes and offerings, Lord, that it will go forward to the furtherance of the gospel in, in many ways that we couldn't even imagine. And so we ask your blessings on that. Bless our service to this morning, Lord, as we come to worship you, and we pray, Heavenly Father, for your will to be done, for your name to be glorified and honored. If we come this morning, Lord, with burdens on our hearts, we ask, Lord, that we would come and lay those at the foot of the cross, and we pray, God, that you will give us in our hearts a peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen and amen. Just want to remind you of your offering. Uh, you'll notice that in the pews in front of you, you don't have uh, those. You don't have those in front of the seats in front of you. Uh, but they are around in the windowsills, so you can grab a, an offering envelope in the windowsills there. You can grab them at the doors to put your offering in the offering plates. You can do that online by going to HighlandBaptistChurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab, and you can do your online giving there and set that up as an easy platform and secure platform for you to do that. We're going to sing another hymn, and then in just a moment after we sing that hymn, Bill Royton's going to come and sing a special song for us too. So Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn. Join us now as we sing 181, No Not One. You may not be as familiar with this, but uh, uh, you're going to learn. So let's sing 181, No Not One. Let's praise the Lord through this song.
Good morning. You all probably don't do this, but there are times um, I do not rely entirely on God. And I'm a Christian, okay? I've known him for a long time since I was a young girl, fortunately. Um, but sometimes I forget. I get in the middle of life, and I get in the middle of me, and I get in the middle of what all is going around in my head or around me in my environment, and I forget who is really there and who's really got me and who who wants me to live in a Jesus bubble, okay? That's what I like to call it sometimes. Um, when God looks at me, he doesn't see me, fortunately. He sees a giant bubble around me. It's called Jesus Christ. You all know this song. Many of you do. You've heard it. Feel free. I know some of y'all, I do this. Special music, sometimes I hum along, sometimes I sing along. Feel free to, just feel free to worship. It's called The Voice of Truth. it takes to climb out of this boat I'm in onto the crashing waves to step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is and he's holding out his hand but the waves are calling out my name and they laugh at me reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed the ways they keep on telling me time and time again oh you'll never win you'll never win but the voice of truth tells me a different story the voice of truth says do not be afraid and the voice of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me i will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth oh what i would do to have the kind of strength it takes to stand before a giant with just a sling and a stone surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors shaking in their armor wishing they'd have had the strength to stand but the giant's calling out my name and he laughs at me Reminding me of all the times I've tried before and failed. The giant keeps on telling me time and time again, oh, you'll never win. You'll never win. The voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid and the voice of truth says this is for my glory out of all the voices calling out to me i will choose to listen and believe but the stone was just the right size to put the giant on the ground and the waves, they don't seem so high from on top of them looking down. I will soar with the wings of eagles when I stop and listen to the sound of Jesus singing over me. The voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says do not be afraid. And the voice of truth says this is for my 
glory out of all the voices calling out to me. I will choose to listen and believe. I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. I will listen and believe, listen and believe the voice of truth. I will listen and believe, cause Jesus, you are the voice of truth. And I will listen to again, if you would, and uh, stand and sing 183, I Found a Friend, Oh Such a Friend. Amen. Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn again to John's Gospel. As we've said before, we're going to be uh, here for several weeks uh, in John's Gospel in chapter uh, 14, 15, 16, and 17. This is what we've called the Upper Room Discourse, although uh, they, may, they may be hanging around here at the Upper Room as Jesus is sharing these last words, or they may have actually left the room at this point, uh, moving on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. When you get to chapter 17, you're going to see Jesus' prayer, and that's probably part of the prayer that he prayed there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so, uh, as we come to John chapter 15, we want to read be to begin with John chapter 15 
15, verse 12 through verse 15, and then we're going to skip over to verse 17, and we'll come back to verse 16 uh, in the message. So if you would, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Be careful as you stand at the pews there. Just a reminder. <laughs> All right, John chapter 15, verse 12, down through verse 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. And then if you'll skip down to verse 17... These things I command you so that you will love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for your word this morning. Father, we pray that as we look at this passage and we see that you have made a way for us to be made right with you because of our sinful condition. Father, you sent your son Jesus who came to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, we are your servants but in this passage, we also find out, Lord, that if we are obeying you, if we're following you, if we're growing in our relationship with you, we are also your friends. And so help us to understand that truth this morning, especially if there are some who are here or watching online who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. May this encourage them through the gospel uh, to turn by faith to Jesus as Lord and Savior. But Lord, there are many of us who may be here this morning or watching online who know Christ already as our Lord and Savior. And yet we need to be maturing in our faith with you. And so help us to learn from this passage this morning how we can begin to do that in our own hearts and in our own lives. So bless your word, and we ask your blessings on this message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. As you can see there by the bulletin and by what was on the screen that I've entitled my message this morning, a friend of God. Now, when we talk about that term, to some people that may sound a little bit irreverent. Uh, it's akin to calling God your buddy or your pal. Uh, friend of God is also the name of a popular song uh, in some churches. It even made it into the 2008 Baptist hymnal uh, that says, uh, I am a friend of God. Uh, being a friend of God is not, uh, may not seem very theological to us, but the Bible actually says that Abraham, all the way back in the Old Testament there, was called a friend of God, but he was also called a servant of God. Now Genesis 26 verse 24 says this, And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father. Fear not, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So we understand and we know from what Abraham did and lived in his life, he was a servant of God. In Genesis 18, the Lord, if you remember the story there, you can go back and look it up and read it later, but in Genesis 18, the Lord had sent, uh, he had come himself and also two angels uh, to visit Abraham as they were on their way to investigate the sin uh, of Sodom. And even though Abraham was nearly a hundred years old, we find in the passage there that he interrupts his noonday rest, he greets those visitors, and he sees to their comfort as well as he begins to have a meal prepared for them, uh, food for them to eat. It was a good-looking meal. In fact, in the first 15 verses of, this, of that chapter, you'll find that Abraham is on the move. Twice he refers to himself in Genesis 18.3 and Genesis 18.5 as a servant. And so here's this 100-year-old man. He's going about quickly, the Bible says. In some places he's running. He's encouraging others to perform their work quickly. He was a perfect example of a servant. You find in those verses that he also doesn't sit and eat with those angels and the Lord who came uh, with them. Just like a true servant, he stands nearby ready to do whatever they ask. But in the last half of that chapter, 
the atmosphere begins to change and Abraham is, is quietly standing still, fellowshipping with the Lord. He's still a servant, but now he's being a friend. Genesis 18 verse 17 there says, The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? And he says no, and he begins to share with him what he's about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah and, and telling him uh, how the, he's going to bring judgment upon them. But he shares this with Abraham as a friend of himself, as a friend of God. Abraham, as a friend of God, shared God's secrets. And so the thing I want you to see, as we're going to see from some other passages too this morning, the thing I want you to see from this text this morning is that it's possible for you this morning to be a friend of God. Now earlier we sang some songs, and I hope you mean those songs. What a friend we have in Jesus. And there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. But understand this, being a friend of God is more than just a song. It's a theological possibility. It's a scriptural truth. And so when it, while it's possible to be God's friend, the question for us is simply this today. Are you? Are you a friend of God? I mean, really, are you a friend of God? Now, that word friend there appears here in John 15. It's an interesting word. It's not an interesting word because it's unique or has some deep hidden meaning. It's interesting because it's a common word. Uh, it's the Greek word phileo or philos. It, it means to, to have a close, intimate relationship. It's more than just having an acquaintance. In fact, most of us today even have acquaintances, uh, but we have very few friends, and even some of our friends may prove unfriendly or even unfaithful. You find that in Jesus' circles. Do uh, you remember Judas? Here's what the Bible said about Judas all the way back in the prophecy in Psalm chapter 41 and verse 9. It says, Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. So notice how Judas is referred to there. He's referred to as my close friend in the prophecy. And so even a devoted friend can sometimes fail us when we need them most. When you look at Peter and James and John, uh, they are the ones who go further with him into the garden, as we're going to see later. And as they go with him into the garden, do you remember what they did when Jesus asked them to pray with him? They fell asleep. They let him down. And Peter, you remember, uh, Jesus said before they ever left the supper, he said, Peter, you know what's going to happen? Tomorrow, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter was a friend of Jesus, and yet he denied Jesus those three times. And so our friendship to each other and to the Lord many times is not perfect, but his friendship to us is always perfect. Now, we, we shouldn't interpret this word friend in a limited way because the Greek word literally means they're a friend at court. It describes a, an inner circle around a king or an emperor. In fact, in John chapter 3, verse 29, it refers to the best man at the wedding. Uh, the friends of the king would be close to him. The friends of the king would know his secrets, but they would also be subject to him and have to obey his commands. They would be a friend and a servant at the same time. And so there's no conflict with being a friend and being a servant. In our, in our culture, many times we have lost the, the meaning of true love, and we've lost, uh, along with that, the, the meaning of true friends. Uh, maybe it's part of our, our Facebook culture that we have today. I mean, think about it. How many friends do you have on Facebook? We look at that number that maybe they're on Facebook, and a lot of those aren't your real friends. It's just a number. It's people you are really just acquaintances with. And, and, and so in our culture, we've kind of lost that. I mean, people we barely know, if we know them at all, are our Facebook friends. We don't really know them a lot. They don't really know us. But we say we're friends. Now, there are others that we know that are really acquaintances. We know people outside of Facebook who, who really are acquaintances. We, we really do know who they are. Uh, we've met them a few times. We might even still casually talk with them once in a while. But there's not a real 
intimate relationship with those individuals. Jesus doesn't want us to be uh, that good old buddy that you see or that person you see at Walmart. You haven't seen them for a while, and, and you have those kind of few awkward words with them. You're nervously trying to remember, what's the kids' names? What, what's their last I can't remember their name. What's their first name? And you're trying to think of those names and, and match it to, to whoever it is there. And you, you exchange some pleasantries all that while while you're, uh, you, you maybe even say, you know, we need to get together soon. We need to eat. We grab a bite to eat, knowing... That's never going to happen. That's not the friendship that we see in this text. And so in John chapter 15, Jesus here is not describing a Facebook friend. He's not describing some old awkward acquaintance here. He's talking about an actual, real life, up close and personal, call me anytime, birds of a feather, we're tight, kind of intimate relationship, friendship. And by that definition, we need to be asking ourselves the question, am I a friend of God? And there are three questions you need to ask yourself to find out the answer to that. Here's the first question I encourage you to ask yourself this morning, whether you know Christ as your Lord and Savior or you don't. Here's the first question. Do I have a selfless compassion? Do I have a selfless compassion? Look back, if you will, at verse 12 and verse 13. Here in these verses, we're going to see that right away we're challenged uh, with, the, with the word selfless, do I have a selfless compassion? We're all selfish in one way or another. But you cannot get away from the self-denial commanded in the Scripture. In fact, Paul spoke of this in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Uh, this is from the Living Bible. It says, do not be selfish. Do not live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Uh, or, or the English Standard Version that you see uh, on the screens. How do we do that, though? How do we uh, live that kind of way, not being selfish? Well, first of all, we listen to what Jesus demands, to what Jesus demanded. Look at the first part of verse 12. He says, this is my commandment. This is my commandment. Going down to verse 17, he says again, these things I command you, that you will love one another. Now, if you have a red letter edition, you'll know those, those words are in, in the red letters. The red letters mean that that's Jesus who's, who's speaking, if you have a Bible that does it in red letters there. And those red letter words bring everything for us to the surface about our self-centeredness, that part of, of me that loves me more than anything else. Every one of us, including me, have those problems with it. We love ourselves... We love ourselves more than anyone else. Jesus says, I have to love you. He tells me that I have to love you to agape you, and you have to love me and you have to love others to the extent that you value your life, you value their life more than your own. And so, frankly, when we don't do that, when we don't love others more than we love ourselves, more than we value ourselves, that gives a serious question about our salvation. In fact, here's what John goes on to write in his letter, uh, in one of his letters in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Let me read that to you from the Living Bible. It says, If we love other Christians, it proves that we have been delivered from hell and given eternal life. But a person who does not have love for others is headed for eternal death. We cannot be a friend of God if we can't be friendly to God's people. In fact, we've talked about this before, that as a believer, you have two uh, very distinct, important relationships that are, that are developed out of the two great commands. What are the two great commands? The first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. 
That's to love God. That's the vertical relationship that every single one of us needs to have to know that we're going to heaven. We need to be loving Him, obeying Him. But we also are told the second commandment is likened to it. We're to love others as we love ourselves. And, and even more, as the Bible says, than we love ourselves. So you have this horizontal relationship. And you cannot be in a right fellowship with God if, if you're not loving others uh, the way you should. You can't say, I love you, God, if you're not loving others the way you should. You can't say, I'm loving others without loving God. They both are interconnected. They both cross with one another. In fact, that's what you see in the shape of the cross. Your relationship to God and your relationship to others gives evidence and proof uh, of your salvation with Him. First John chapter 4 and verse 20 and verse 21 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, what's the Bible say? He's a liar. He's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. There in verse 21. And, and, you know, some people struggle with, with their assurance of their salvation. You know, Christian love is a command. It's a mandate from the very lips of Jesus, just as surely as any other commandment of God. I, I'm not commanded to like you or to like what you've done, but I am commanded by God to love you, and you are commanded by God to love others. This isn't a commandment, understand, from the church. This isn't a commandment that the preacher's giving you. This isn't a, a, a commandment from anybody else. It's a commandment from Jesus. He says, it's my commandment. John 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15, 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And then in verse 14, Jesus says, You are my friends. And then notice that one word that comes right after that. That says, if. That's conditional, isn't it? If you do what I command you. And so this commandment is to love one another. Christian love is a command. It's a choice. You know, what the world calls love is just a feeling. It's something that makes your spine tingle and your liver quiver. And that may not be love. You may be catching the flu. Christian love is a command. It's a commitment. Understand this. In Christian love, you don't fall into and out of a committed choice. That's what Jesus demands now. Secondly, in this part, we see that we need to look at what Jesus demonstrated. Go down to the second part of verse 12 into verse 13. So he said, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And so this commandment would have had a familiar ring to it to his disciples. Jesus understood that repetition is a great teacher and yet also that a demonstration would be an even better teacher. So in John 13, 34, Jesus says, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so understand, that commandment wasn't new. It wasn't new in the sense of it was some new revelation there. What was new was the standard by which that love would be measured. And that standard was a huge standard. Uh, look at that. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. How are you to love one another? Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He went on to say there, just like I love you. And I'm about to love you because I'm fixing to go to the cross. 
So remember, the first time he demonstrates that love to them was there in the upper room where, where he takes off his outer garments and he goes and gets a bowl and, and a towel and he begins to kneel down at the feet of these disciples and he begins to wash their stinky, smelly, dirty feet, showing them the love that he had in being a servant to them. So that's the first occasion that he shows uh, and demonstrates that kind of love that we're to have for others. But now he's also about to demonstrate that love uh, with a blood-soaked, soul-saving cross. Because think about what's about to transpire over the next 12 hours. Jesus is going to be arrested. He's going to be condemned. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be crucified. In, in John's letter, in John, 1 John, after describing the death of Christ for our sins, here's what John says in John, 1 John 4, verse 11. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. One writer said it this way, Only those who abide in Him have the capacity to love divinely as Jesus loved. So in other words, in and of yourself... You can't love others the way Jesus loved us. You need Him dwelling within you. You need His Spirit dwelling within you to enable you to love others the way He loved us. Uh, in fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says this, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. I didn't say that. God's Word says that. And so understand, we cannot keep this command without abiding in the vine. That's the whole thing Jesus is talking about in chapter 15. And further, the keeping of this commandment is a sign that we're in the vine. It's a telltale sign of, of whether or not we're really a friend of God. And so that's the first question that we need to ask ourselves is do I have a selfless compassion? Do I love others the way Jesus loved me? The second question is this. Do I have a sanctified conduct? Now, you may be thinking, what in the world does that mean, preacher? Sanctified means holy, consecrated, set apart, different. So understand, the command of God is precisely expressed all the way back in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 2 where the, the prophets wrote there, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so we are to be set apart. We're to be different from the world. How do we know we have a sanctified conduct, a set-apart holy conduct in our life? Well, one, it's measured by how we live. It's measured by how we live. Look again at verse 14. In verse 14, he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. So this friendship with God is initiated on the basis of faith. But it's evidenced by our good works. In fact, James writes it this way in his letter, James chapter 2, verse 23. It says, And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. Now, when you go back and you look at Abraham's life, was Abraham perfect? Not at all. But he was a godly man. I mean, think about it. He lied on multiple occasions. He was even involved in a sexual sin that, that wreaked havoc on the world then uh, with the birth of, of Isaac uh, and Ishmael that, that still has ramifications and implications for us to this very day. But the overarching direction of his life was towards God, Abraham's life. And so three verses later, James says this in James chapter 2 and verse 26, after he says how Abraham was a friend of God, now he says in James 2 verse 26, faith apart from works 
is dead. And James says that such, that kind of faith is not a saving faith. James is saying, and Jesus is saying here in what he's saying to his disciples, is that if our behavior and our practice are not changed, we confess to know Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we profess it with our lips, but if our behavior is not changed, our eternal destiny has not changed either. Jesus is saying here that if you want to be my friend, you have to do what I say. You, you can't run around this way and, and find some way to get to heaven without going through Jesus, without living uh, the way Jesus says we need to live, that we need to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we have to love others as we love ourselves. Jesus is saying here, if you want to be my friend, you have to do what I say. Obedience is not the means to salvation, but it is the inevitable result of our salvation. Obedience is the proof that a person has a saving relationship with Jesus. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So it's measured not just by what we say, but by how we live. And then secondly, we find that it's matured by what we learn. Look at verse 15. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. You understand that principle? Uh, the master uh, has his plan. He knows what he wants executed for the day. He knows which part of the vineyard he wants worked on and, and what work he wants done. The servants don't know that. He goes to the servants and he tells the servants, I want you to go over to this part of the vineyard and I want you to work on it. It needs some trimming up. It needs some pruning. They don't know that. They're just servants. And so that's what he's saying here in this verse. He's saying in verse 15... He says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. So you get the implication of what he's saying. He's saying, you do know what I'm doing. He says, I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from the Father, I made known to you. Now that doesn't mean that we're not his servants. The rest of the New Testament makes that clear. We are servants who have the inside information from Jesus himself. But we're more than just servants. We're his friends. And he is a trusted friend. He's not like your earthly friends. Earthly friends can let you down. But Jesus will never let you down. And, and so he's a trusted friend. He's a trusted friend who lets you in on what's going on. You have the Word of God here where God has spoken to us to give us the direction, to give us His commands of what we're to do, how we're to do, uh, how we're to live in our hearts and our lives, how we're to be growing in our walk with Him. And so the question that we need to be asking ourselves is, is does, does Jesus ever reveal anything to us? Do we have personal conversations with Him? Are you learning and growing in the Lord? Are you able to spiritually discern things? That can only happen if you're in the Word of God, in the Bible. And so sometimes in our lives, we're having a problem with being sanctified, with being holy, with being set apart, being different from the world, yet living in the world. Psalm 119 and verse 9 through verse 11 reminds us this. and says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can you keep your way pure? I mean, there's going to be all kinds of temptations throughout your life, whether you're a young man or you're a young woman. And so the Scripture applies here to either. How can a young person keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wonder from what? Your commandments. I have stored up your word, where? In my heart, that I might not sin against you. In fact, Psalm 119 verse 1 says, blessed are those whose way is blameless who walk in the law of the Lord. So in other words, it's not enough just to know what God's Word says. It's not enough just to make sure I'm reading through God's Word. 
The question is, am I living God's Word? Am I applying God's Word? Am I walking in the law of the Lord? Go all the way back to the Old Testament, back to Joshua. And Joshua gave us a great word here in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. And he's talking about the Word of God. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Let me ask you this. Do you meditate on the Word of God? Or do you just flippantly read through it so you can check a box to say, I've read my Bible today? He says, I meditate on it. I think about it. I ponder it. I think about what is it uh, saying here. I research. I study to see what does God's Word mean here in the context of this passage and in the context of all of Scripture. I meditate on it day and night. Why? Notice the next phrase in that verse. So that you may be careful to do. There's the works again. See, you, you get into God's Word and you study God's Word not just to have a head knowledge of it, but to live it out in your life, to do it in your life, to be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Why? For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So do I have a selfless compassion, and do I have a sanctified conduct? And then finally, do I have a steadfast commitment? Look to verse 16 as we close. You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, in that verse 16, we're back to that concept of remaining, abiding, and continuing, uh, that theme uh, of John chapter 15. There's a story about a young boy who would often sneak out of his second-story bedroom uh, window after his parents went to bed. He would, he would sneak out the window and climb down uh, this old fruit tree that was next to his house. And one day, he heard his father say, you know, that old tree out there, it never produces anything. It's a barren tree. I'm just going to cut it down if it's not going to produce any fruit. Well, frantically that night, that boy and his friend uh, went and bought some uh, apples, a bushel of apples, and they tied them to every branch on that tree. The next morning, that father, he was amazed at the fruit, and he shouted to his wife, and he said, Mary, Mary, this old barren tree has apples all over it. She said, that's a miracle, isn't it? He said, it sure is, because that's a pear tree. <laughs> Understand this. Jesus expects and enables fruit from his friends. He expects that we have the right kind of fruit. And so it, it comes from, it commences with, with saving grace. That's what the first part of verse 16 is talking about. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go. And so that statement of being chosen is an immediate reference to the remaining 11 disciples and by extension to us also. It's a reminder that salvation isn't us reaching up to God. Salvation is God through Christ reaching down to us. Now don't let that bother you. Understand this, you wouldn't, be sa you wouldn't have saved yourself if you could have and you couldn't have if you wanted to. John 20, verse 31 says, But these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you may have life in his name. Dead trees don't bear fruit. And so to bear fruit for Jesus, you have to have a life that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. But it also continues with serving in grace. That's what the rest of verse 16 is about that you bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And, and so what you see in this verse is the drumbeat of persevering with Christ. Generally speaking, true saints can be counted on. Every disciple that Jesus has called uh, and uh, has been appointed to bear fruit and fruit that remains. Anybody that doesn't bear fruit over time, there's some question about where we're at with the Lord. Either we need to get things back where they need to be with the Lord, or you didn't have the Lord to start with. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 19 speaks of those whose fruit don't remain. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. So just because somebody comes to church doesn't mean they're a Christian. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Jesus Christ has been a friend to all of us who know him as Lord and Savior ever since the day of our salvation. And even though there have been times and seasons in your life where you may have strayed away, the overall trend and direction ought to have been that you're faithful. Where there is true fruit, the Bible says it remains. Man-made results eventually disappear. Whatever is born by the Spirit of God has the mark of eternity on it, and it always lasts. So, so understand this. A proper understanding of fruit and work keeps us from boasting in our own perseverance. You see, true saints persevere because the true Savior perseveres. So ask yourself, do I have that selfless compassion? Do I have a sanctified conduct? And finally, do I have a steadfast commitment? There are friends we know who are just acquaintances with. But understand this, the scripture says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So you see the difference between those two kinds of friendships, acquaintances and a friend who sticks closer than a brother? Which one better reflects your relationship with Jesus? Is he some distant deity or is he a close, personal, intimate friend? Are you a friend of God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning that you made a way for us to be your friend, to be made right with you, not by our works, not by our efforts, not by our good deeds, not by our striving in this world to live a good life, but by what Jesus did for us on the cross and our faith and trusting in him as Lord and Savior. But not just trusting in him as Lord and Savior, it doesn't just stop there with salvation. It's a continued work of maturing in our faith and our walk with you. And so, Father, I pray that we would examine our hearts this morning, first and foremost, to find out, do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Has there ever been that moment that I've trusted in him, come to know him as my friend? Father, I pray that if we haven't, may we call out to you this morning and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and my life and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Father, I pray if someone's prayed something like that in their heart this morning, may they come to publicly profess that faith in Christ. But Lord, I dare say there are many of us here this morning who've done that, we've got that settled, but somewhere along the way, we thought that's all we had to do. And we've not been faithfully living out the truth of your word. And so, Father, I pray that we would ask those questions of ourselves this morning. Do I have that selfless, sacrificial love that, that you had for us? Lord, am I living a life that is set apart, sanctified, set apart to you? And Father, am I serving you? Am I growing in my walk with you? And Father, I pray if we're here as believers this morning, may we repent of our sin too. Lord, may we come to the place that we say, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me and help me to bear fruit in my life. Father, I pray for your blessings upon us who believed already. Lord, that you'll renew us in our relationship with you. Have your way and your will in this invitation. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to ask you to stand to sing our hymn of invitation, Just As I Am. Be sure to be careful as you're standing up. But number 307, Just As I Am, will you come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart for the mic?
Your comment. Like I might have one for Mr. Matt. Come on through. Hey, uh, youth parents, just wanted to remind you this Wednesday we're going to be having uh, our services over at Trinity Baptist Church in Manchester. And so uh, the students over there will be putting on a pizza and praise night, and uh, which will start at 6. So you, we can meet here at 515 and head on over there about 530. And then we will uh, be back here at 8. So you can either drop your students off in Manchester and pick them up there, or we can try to carpool and meet here at 515. Thank you. All right, there wasn't anything else major in the bulletin as far as announcements, but just keep an eye on it. As uh, Pastor Jim alluded to earlier, there's a few things that are tentative, so just make sure that uh, we're keeping up to date on that. And then I know Miss Ella did tell us in our Sunday school, uh, for any of the rows that don't have a pew in them at all, there are stobs in the floor where the pews will rest, so be careful. Don't move the chairs around too much. We don't want to cause a trip hazard. So if you could do that for me, that would be great. Uh, other than that, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, I just thank you for bringing us out to your house this morning, Lord. I just thank you for the, the message that Pastor Jim brought to us. Just let it take it and touch it, our lives with it, Lord. Just let us open up to this dark, dark world that we live in and be that bright, shining light that only you can put through us, Lord. Just go with us now throughout this week and just forgive me if I failed you. Amen.